keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Wednesday, April 26, 2023. It is the Feast of Our Lady of Good Counsel. Our Lady Good Counsel of Genazono is celebrated in April 25th in Genazono and April 26th elsewhere. The picture of Our Lady depicts her as a queen wearing a crown of precious stones. The child of Jesus also wears one. The jewels set on the picture were given by individuals in thanksgiving for spiritual favors and miracles worked by Our Lady. The picture reveals remarkable coherence, especially in Our Lady's expression. Her face is completely serene. Everything about her gives the impression of her great satisfaction in having her child in her arms. The child has an extraordinary intimacy with her, and he holds on to her like one accustomed to such a position. There is a curious contrast in their attitudes. He has an air, an air of dominion clasping her neck and appears satisfied and protected. Notwithstanding, he looks like her lord in her physiognomy, there is veneration and respect for him. She assumes the air of a person who prays. She is not asking anything in her prayers. She is contemplating his person. It seems to me that she is making an act of contemplation. The painting delicately expresses the Catholic doctrine of mediation of graces. It does not have the precision of theology, but the subtleness proper to art. When you draw nearer to the picture to contemplate the relationship between her and him, you feel yourself invited to enter into their intimacy. You feel yourself being understood, loved, and helped by her and by him. You feel yourself adopted by her as a son or daughter, and therefore like a brother of the child Jesus. Our Lady of Good Counsel, pray for us. Praise be to God. Go look that up today. Go look up a picture of Our Lady of Good Counsel and think about meditating upon these ideas. What a beautiful meditation. I love it, especially on this Wednesday morning. Something good to keep us through to the end of the week. We're halfway there. And when think about that. We Take a look at that picture of Our Lady of Good Counsel and just think about Wow, we're in the middle of the week. I just have to be like Our Lady, keep my eyes on our Lord, and we'll make it through the week. I'm very excited. Uh, how are you this morning, Mr. Tito Edwards, on the uh, behind <laughs> the, uh, the board over there? I am doing great. Lots of challenges, lots of opportunities, lots of fun. I'm excited. What did the seculars call today? Hump Day? It's Hump, hump day. day today. So uh, happy, happy Hump Day to all of you. Looking forward to the, today's show. It's going to be a great show, and uh, I, I can't think of anything else to be happy than to be here with you, Adrian. This is going to be a good time. Now, I found this picture of Our Lady of Good Counsel from 1680. It's uh, oil on canvas by Bartolome Perez. And who I've never seen this one before, but this one is so nice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send this in our private Telegram chat so people can uh, take a look at this because I'm just, whoo, I love it. I love it. It's so beautiful. I love art. I love good Catholic art. And it's just so hard to come by these days to find art that is actually beautiful. So whenever I do come across it, I always just like rave about it. I'm like, yeah, you guys got to see this. 
All the different images of Our Lady Good Counsel are beautiful, but this one in particular, I'm kind of blown away. I think, hmm, I may send this to my little sister and ask her and say, hey, Emily, can you paint me this? Uh, although nowadays I really can't afford her anymore. She's, uh, she's too expensive for me. Uh, at 15 past the hour, we're going to be talking about a major TV host who was removed from their position effective immediately. Everyone's talking about it. We're going to be talking about that at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, MS-13 member kills a Florida citizen. Very concerning. And this happened at the same time Utah Senator's home was attacked. Also a very concerning story. In the next hour, we're going to be talking about eight activities of the Renaissance woman. And as always, we have our Fear and Trembling Game Show with a prize sponsored by Catholic Answers. So you're going to want to tune in for that as well. You're not going to want to miss one moment of Catholic Answer or Catholic Drive Time today because we got a ton going on and everything that you need to know to get you through the rest of the day. So let's begin in prayer. We'll be praying for whatever it is that you have going on in your life, whatever it is that you are struggling with. We pray for our friends, our family, our benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for. We're keeping those in our prayers as we pray to the Holy Ghost, as it is April, the month dedicated to the Holy Ghost. So we're going to pray the Vini Sancte Spiritus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful. And enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. O Ramos, O God, who taught the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant that by the gift of the same spirit we may be always truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Wednesday, April 26, and these are your headlines. Catholic News Agency has reported Bishop Timothy Sr., an auxiliary bishop for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, was named as the next bishop of the Diocese of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Bishop Sr. will be the 12th bishop of of the Diocese of Harrisburg, which was founded in 1868 and serves more than 200,000 Catholics from 15 counties in central Pennsylvania. The bishop is a Pennsylvania native who graduated in 1977 from Lansdale Catholic High School, located outside of Philly. He was ordained to the priesthood in the Archdiocese in 1985 and obtained a Master's of Divinity and a Master's of Arts in Theology at St. Charles Borromeo Seminary in Winwood located outside of Philadelphia. Catholic News Agency has reported five French priests martyred in the anti-Catholic uprising of the horrible 1871 Paris Commune riots were beatified in Paris. As pastors inspired by apostolic zeal, the priests were united in their witness to the faith to the point of martyrdom, Pope Francis said. Fathers Ladislas Radigu, Polycarp Touffier, Fresel Tardio, Marcelin Rochezou, and another were honored in a ceremony that took place amid heavy security precautions to ensure the safety of the attendees because of violence that erupted when Catholics tried to honor the martyrs almost two years ago. Catholics held a procession in Paris in 2021 to honor the victims of the 150th anniversary of the massacre. The group faced violent backlash from counter-demonstrators. About 50 people blocked the procession from moving forward and forced organizers to run into a church for shelter. Zenit has reported on May 14th, Orthodox Coptic Patriarch Tawadros II will celebrate Mass in St. John Lateran, the Pope's Cathedral in Rome. 
The event has been confirmed by Father Hyacinth Desteville of Fisher, official of the Dicastery for Promoting Christian Unity, in an interview with L'Osservatore Romano. The announcement was perceived by some with a certain perplexity after the same cathedral was used by Anglicans. The event of the Anglican quote-unquote mass was followed by a specific press release adducing error of communication. The reasons given by the Vatican for this one is primarily that the Holy See recognizes the validity of the Coptic holy orders. And finally, Vatican News has reported a shaky ceasefire in Sudan appears to be holding. Although there have been reports of new shootings and bombardments, this latest ceasefire attempt started at midnight last night after a three-day truce were agreed upon between the army and the paramilitary forces. Those were your headlines this morning. May God bless you all. The Gospel of the Day comes from John chapter 6, verses 35 through 40. But Jesus told them, It is I who am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never be hungry. He who has faith in me will never know thirst. But you, as I have told you, though you have seen me, do not believe in me. All that the Father has entrusted to me will come to me, and him who comes to me I will never cast out. It is the will of him who sent me, not my own will, that I have come down from heaven to do, and he who sent me would have me keep without loss, and raise up at the last day all he has entrusted to me. Yes, this is the will of him who sent me, and all that those that who believe in the Son, when they see him, should enjoy eternal life. I am to raise them up at the last day. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Cornelius Alapide had a lot to say here about this passage, of course. He says here, Jesus saith, Not thirst forever. Hear Christ to the Jews, who asked for bread to feed them unto life eternal, opens it out and offers it, and declares that it is himself. For he, by his grace and spirit, which he breathes into the faithful, so nourishes them that they may live always. But peculiarly he feeds them with the Eucharistic bread, with which this whole discourse of Christ has to do. Now notice here, Cornelius Lapide is setting up the bread of life discourse. He's saying here, look, you have to read John 6 in its entirety. You must read the whole thing in continuity with one's with itself. Because our Lord here, he multiplies loaves and fishes. He talks about the bread that brings you on to eternal life. And then he says, that is me, eat me. And this all goes together. You can't separate it. Otherwise, you have people saying crazy things like, oh, it was just symbolic when that's clearly not the case. Now, here, Cyril, in these words, he sets forth the life and grace of his most holy body, whereby the essence, the life of the only begotten enters and abides in us. For Christ in the Eucharist is rightly called bread first because by consecrating bread, he transforms it into his body, which under the species of bread, the substance being annihilated alone remains. And second, because like bread, it takes away hunger. It feeds and sustains life, sustains and cheers here Cyril. For that was not the true manna, nor that the true heavenly bread but he himself, the only begotten son, is the true bread. For since he is of the substance of the father, 
He is by nature all quickening life. For as this earthly bread has the quality of sustaining and preserving our weak flesh, so does he by the Holy Spirit quicken our spirits and deliver our bodies themselves from corruption. Now, Cornelius Lapide goes on. He says, He that believeth never thirst, because I will give him in the Eucharist the drink of my blood, by which refreshed and satisfied he shall never thirst. Now, here, St. Cyril. What, what then does Christ promise? Surely nothing corruptible, but a blessing which we obtain by the communication of the body and blood of Christ. By this, we shall be brought back to such a perfect state of incorruption as not to need corporeal food and drink. For the body of Christ quickens us, and by its particip participation brings us to incorruption." For though it be that the faithful lady do not take or drink the Eucharist under the species of wine as priests do, but eat of it under the species of bread only, still under that species of bread, they not only eat the body of Christ, but also drink his blood, because the blood cannot be separated from the body of Christ. For as much as it is immortal and glorious, for in things spiritual to hunger and to thirst, have the same meaning. Now notice here he talks about, he says that the lady do not share it from the chalice because that was given only to the priest. Now this has changed in recent times, though after COVID, people kind of went back to that. But traditionally, you would only receive communion under the species of bread out of fear of profanation of the species of wine. This is a, a very ancient practice. It was uh, done for about mm, 1,500 years where the laity only received under the species of bread. What this also does is reaffirm the teaching of the church that says that the entirety, body, blood, soul, and divinity is present in both species. And so many people have been confused by that and said, thought that you have to receive both under the species of bread and wine to receive the whole Christ. This is not the case. Every particle, every piece of our Lord that's present there is whole and entire. That's something very, very important to keep in mind. Now, the last thing to note here is that God gives whatever he receives, he brings to fruition. But this implies that those who do not believe are condemned. So Cornelius Lapide says, The unbelieving and rebellious Jews I do repel from me in my church, and I will banish you to hell. But those I will lovingly embrace and take with me to the church triumphant in heaven. This is important because our background, whether you're a cradle Catholic, whether you are born and raised Catholic, does not matter if you leave the faith. We have to believe and we have to live out the faith in our daily life. We'll be right back with more after this. Hey, Donnie, who were the first two people God created? Adam and Eve. There you go. And what did we inherit from them? Original sin. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. When determining specific moral truths, most Christian churches say they use the Bible, so it's safe to say that they have agreement on doctor-assisted suicide, abortion, contraception, and embryonic stem cell therapy. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a challenge for you. Speak with the five closest non-Catholic church pastors near to where you live. Inquire if they only use the Bible to determine their church stances on these issues. Secondly, my findings, there are some similarities on abortion, but varied with two key exemptions. No common stance on embryonic stem cell therapy, contraception was accepted by all, and no across-the-board agreement on doctor-assisted suicide. And thirdly, my comeback. Should these social issues of life really be determined through individual conviction? Well, maybe we should just leave the determinants of salvation up for grabs also. Remember, the ones Jesus called the least of these will always be in grave danger if their existence is left up to individual conviction. Finally, check the very stance of the Catholic Church on these weighty issues. It's impressive. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Happy Easter to you. Remember, Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Alleluia. Alleluia. Praise be to God. You know, that's a very interesting story that came out. and Maybe you heard about it. A major TV host was removed from his position, effective immediately. Now, who was this major TV host and what was the platform that removed him? Well, that's, of course, Don Lemon, outsit from CNN. Isn't that crazy? Uh, the story happened, and uh, <laughs> Tito's laughing. <laughs> yeah, what, did you think I was going to say uh, Tucker Carlson, Fox News? Who? Who's? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, the, uh, the story, I, I thought it was very amusing that both Don Lemon was outsit from CNN the same day that Tucker Carlson was ousted from Fox News. Yeah. I thought that was very strange timing. There's, no, I think it's a message from God. Things are going to change. I don't know. I don't, I don't think know. it's bad in any ways. I know it's bad initially, but I think things are going to, uh, turning around. Well, we shall see. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I but know. Here, uh, according to Tim Cast News, they said CNN host Don Lemon has been terminated by the outlet effective immediately. The CNN host revealing his ousting in a Monday social media post says, quote, I was informed this Monday, this morning by my agent that I have been terminated by CNN. Lemon wrote to Twitter, I am stunned. I would have thought that someone in management would have had the decency to tell me directly. Now, one thing that is really funny about this, I, I've got to admit, I love the fact that um, <laughs> that. That Twitter is owned by Elon Musk, despite the fact that Elon Musk is a transhumanist and wants to implant things into our brains. I think it's hilarious that he owns Twitter, and I like a lot of the things he does. And <laughs> he put a fact check under under Don Lemon's tweet. It says, uh, per CNN PR, the statement is inaccurate. He was offered an opportunity to meet with management, but instead Ouch. released a statement on Twitter. <laughs> so there you go. There wow. You go. I think that's absolutely hilarious. Yeah. So there you go, folks. <laughs> so he, the article goes on. At no time was I ever given an indication that I would be able, not be able to continue to do the work I have loved with the network. It is clear that there are some larger issues at play. Lemon continued. With that said, I want to thank my colleagues and the many teams. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Thank you. Thank you. He says, CNN and Don have parted ways. Don will forever be part of the CNN family. Thank you for his contributions over the last 17 years. Reads, likes, letter. Uh, there's not really much else to say there. The a thing that is interesting to me, though, 
that this comes a couple days after there was a viral uh, tweet that happened, or not tweet, a viral video that went around Twitter and YouTube and other places where Don Lemon was being was interviewing um, uh, Vivek, um, what is his last name? I can never say his name. It's an Indian name. Is oh, it, uh, the presidential candidate, Dewas no. Vamasawakurkut? No. Oh, Nikki Haley. No. Vivek uh, Ranaswamy, I want to oh. say. Something like something like that. We apologize for not getting that name correct. Yeah, I forget how to, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but his first name is Vivek. And he was on uh, CNN with Don Lemon, and he was being shouted down by Don Lemon. It was really, really annoying, actually, to watch. But it was interesting because Vivek was saying that um, it's actually a good thing for people who are black to own guns. He's saying that, in fact, it was part of the civil rights movement to have people of color own guns because before they could not. And that this was a movement of the civil rights movement. And Don Lemon's response because whether or not you agree with Vivek or not doesn't really matter. The reaction that Don Lemon gave was kind of insane. Instead, he sort of started yelling at Vivek, telling him that he's not allowed to have an opinion about this because he's not black. Now, notice Vivek is not white. He's Indian. In fact, his uh, parents are Indian immigrants to the United States. And Vivek is a self-made millionaire. So he's kind of the embodiment of the American dream. And he's being told and shouted down that the he is uh, wrong and he's not allowed to have an opinion because he, he's not black because his skin color is not the right shade of black of black <laughs> because it's ridiculous. And honestly, honestly, uh, it's kind of funny because Vivek being Indian, I mean, he's as dark as Vivek, <laughs> as Don Lemon. I mean, he's about as dark as Don Lemon, but Darker. that doesn't actually matter. It doesn't actually matter. It has nothing to do with anything. And so Vivek makes that point. He goes out and he says, oh, yeah, this, is, this has nothing to do with skin color. Anybody of any skin color can have an opinion about this. It does not matter. So I think that's uh, very important. And uh, this he, his firing comes very soon after this. So I wonder if the CNN crew there was just tired of him yelling over his uh, guest. Probably not. I'm very curious to know what the reason was. Maybe his ratings were just horrible. Uh, we don't know what the ratings are at CNN. I think you have a very accurate analysis because a lot of people have been pointing to that incident and another prior incident with Nikki Haley where he, she, he claims that she's over the hill because most women are in their prime in their 20s, oh, yeah. maybe 30s. Yeah, and so uh, it's just silly what, what he was doing. Vivek, is it his name? Yeah. He was trying to explain that we are, suppo- we are Americans first before we are a hyphenated American. I'm summarizing here. And he was trying to talk about a, 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 hot, a difficult issue in a cordial way. And Don Lemon, using his black card, wanted and uh, in the time and space that we live in now that you're not supposed to talk about anything and it's cultural appropriation if you speak English. So it's, 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 he was trying to shut him down, not because he was not black enough. It's, I personally think it's because he does not identify with left. Of course, of course, which is why, like, if he would never have Candace Owens on his show nope. and never talk to her because... It doesn't fit the narrative. Yep. Because it just doesn't doesn't work because she has the same skin color as him. So that's kind of a it's it's a cop out. It's a way to not be able to argue the 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 facts of the case. But yeah, I completely forgot about the whole Nikki Haley thing. 
the the thing with Nikki Haley, that comment is that it's technically <laughs> technically he's right, but he's talking about he's talking about their prime for childbearing years and not for running for president. Oh, he, <laughs> so he, he, the, he'll, yeah, he'll so, find anything to, to complain and shut down the right. Yeah, so he was just trying to find an excuse, and he had a slip of the tongue and said, yeah, she's not in her prime anymore. And then they caught him, and they were like, no, you can't say that. And technically, I mean, if he was talking about childbearing years, which is exactly what he was talking about, even if he didn't know it, because he was just like, oh, just check Google. It says that's what the, <laughs> that's what the prime years are for a woman. It's like, well, yeah, that's the prime childbearing years. So, yeah, you should strive to have kids during that time because it's the safest time and the easiest time to have kids. But in terms of running for president, I would argue that if you're in your late 20s, probably not the best time for you to be president. Maybe late 30s. I think that's probably a more reasonable age to be running a country of that magnitude. Uh, but... And that, I thought that was a very yes, interesting situation. Correct. I agree. And when that came up, nobody wanted to talk about the fact that, yeah, it is true. That, that is the best. That is the prime of, of women's childbearing years. But obviously, nothing to do with running for president. Because <laughs> hopefully, they won't be giving birth while president. That would not be good for the country if they have to take maternity leave while president. That'd be not good. <laughs> and, and before anyone tries to correct us, uh, yes, I under we understand that being an Indian, if you're from the northern part of India, you're technically white only because your ancestors come from the Caucasus uh, region of the world. So you're technically a Caucasian. I understand wow. that. I'm very familiar with that, with the Habaglop, uh I'm killing that name, uh, uh, ID. So... Yes, we we know maybe that's the angle that Don was going to, but I, I doubt that I mean, because I, I don't think I mean, he's you'd have to know that you'd smart. have to know the uh, you'd have to know the the lineage of the individual yes. to be able to say that because I mean Vivek looks very dark, so I'd imagine that he's probably South Indian. Yeah, exactly. He's probably lower caste Indian, uh, but I have no idea. But it tends it tends to be the case that the uh, lighter skin Indians are higher caste and the darker skin or lower caste. It tends to be that way. Uh, but I have the internal politics of India is, is very complicated because so, they, they still have a caste system over there. Yes. Kind and, of interesting. And, 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 and if Don Lemon was doing that, then he's a racist yeah, uh, according to the left narrative. <laughs> that's true. And the other thing that's interesting to me is, you know, that's uh, a kind of a side note. The, the people in India still do arranged marriages. Yes. I think that's awesome. I think arranged marriages. I agree. And uh, my friend who is a Indian, he is his family's from India. His sister got an arranged marriage, and his parents are trying to get him an arranged marriage uh, from India. And I think it's a very interesting concept. I uh, don't know if it's the best way, but it's certainly better than what we have uh, with dating apps. East East Europeans <laughs> used to do that up until the mid. 20s, 1920s or 1930s, especially the Greek Orthodox. And I know of the Indian friends that I have, this is 20, 30 years ago, they would go to, here, Ameri American Indians, the Indians from the Indian subcontinent, they would go to conferences where they would meet and greet and, and mingle with other people uh, within their class range, their race range, what caste range, whatever it is that they're classifying. Yeah, or, that makes sense. Yeah, even by village. And yeah. I, I remember them breaking out these little yearbooks with pictures of all the 
possible candidates. Even So now I guess everything would be online and yeah, you could do that. It makes sense. And uh, a lot of uh, people used to do that. Catholics used to do that. Jews uh, used to do that. They, sure they, I think they still do. But um, moving on, the story goes with, with the same thing with Fox News firing Tucker Carlson. Everybody's heard this. The decision to oust Carlson came from the Fox News chairman, the L.A. Times reported. Murdoch was reportedly concerned over the former Fox News host coverage of the Capitol riots on January 6, 2021. The former Fox News host departure is allegedly related to a discrimination lawsuit filed last month by former producer Abby Grossberg. Carlson's senior executive producer, Justin Wells, has also been let go through Fox News' representative did not further comment, the outlet reported. Grossberg, who worked on Sunday Morning Futures with Maria Bartimora, claimed that she was bullied and subjected to anti-Semitic comments after being placed on Tucker Carlson tonight. Carlson previously reported on the Capitol riot, noting Ray Epps, who was present at, Cap- at, the, at the Capitol on January 6, may be a government informant. On Monday, Fox News revealed that the outlet in Carlson had agreed to part ways. Now, my question is, Agreed to part ways. Did Tucker Carlson leave Fox or did Fox fire Tucker Carlson? Because if Fox fired Tucker Carlson, that would be an incredibly dumb financial decision considering he is their headliner. He brings in more money than any of their other hosts and and any any of their shows. This is a huge deal to see him go. And the question is, what is he going to do next? And whatever he decides to do, it's going to draw a huge audience. Now, some people have speculated that he is going off to they, they're trying to get rid of him in and uh, setting up for the next election because it's a controlled opposition situation. I don't know if it's that deep, to be honest. I'm, I seem to think more that they probably told him, hey, you're not allowed to talk about these topics anymore. You're getting us in trouble. And he said, absolutely not. I will not be censored. And he quit. And wherever he goes, it's going to it's gonna be a big deal. I, I know already uh, Daily Wire is probably offering him a contract, but I bet he's going to do something on his own. That's my guess. But we'll keep up with that story. We'll be right back with more after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues, such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices they despised, but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. And thirdly, the golden twins. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, doctrines, and beliefs. Remember, identical twins come from one egg. I've been listening to Guadalupe Radio for a couple years now, and I think it was a bumper sticker I saw on somebody's car one time, and it's a radio station that I don't have to be concerned about or worried about. When the kids and I are driving, I don't have to worry about inappropriate items. It's just the opposite. It's educational. I've learned so many different topics and on different subjects that I couldn't believe being a Catholic and being baptized as a child. There's so many things I didn't know, and now in these past couple years that I've been listening in, I've learned so much. 
Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Wednesday, April 26th in the year of our Lord, 2023. And these are your headlines for this morning. OSV News has reported the Catholic Church in the U.S. has made progress in confronting sexual abuse against minors, but has only begun to address the vulnerability of adults to sexual abuse by clergy, religious, and lay leaders. At the same time, there's still a lot more work to be done in extending safeguards to adults. At present, two key documents lay out broad protocols for the response of the Catholic Church in the U.S. to sexual abuse by its clergy. CatholicCulture.org and The Pillar has reported a German bishop has questioned the policy that bars people from the sacraments if they formally remove their names from the roles of registered Catholics. The German Bishops' Conference has set a policy that classifies Catholics who ask to be removed from the roles as having defected. Thus, they cannot receive communion, marry in the church, or serve in parish or diocesan offices. The parish roles are particularly crucial in Germany where the government assesses a surcharge on the taxes of registered believers handing those funds over to the Catholic Church. As a result, the German Catholic Church is extremely wealthy. However, lapsed Catholics have an incentive to end the registration and every year many thousands do so. The Daily Wire reports Texas law enforcement officials shut down an Antifa counter-protest of protect. Texas Kids Demonstration. Law enforcement officials with the Fort Worth Police Department shut down Antifa agitators over the weekend who counter-protested a small group of demonstrators from Protest Texas Kids. Protect Texas Kids who are protesting a drag show event. And finally, CatholicCulture.org has reported Bishop David Ricken of Green Bay has given the National Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help a new name. The National Shrine of Our Lady of Champion. I am Tito Edwards, and these are your headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. You know, there was a couple stories that I thought were very concerning that I figure we should uh, definitely discuss. Uh, One of these stories comes out of the Daily Wire. The story is MS-13 felon kills and dismembers Florida Uber Eats driver. My goodness. Florida authorities charged a male MS-13 gang member on parole with murder and other offenses after police said he killed and dismembered an Uber Eats driver, making its final delivery to the assailant's home last week. Oscar Solis Jr. allegedly killed Uber driver 59-year-old Randall Cook while Cook was making his final delivery of the night to Solis' home in Holiday, Florida on April 19th. During a news conference on Tuesday, Pasco County Sheriff Chris Noko said that Solis yanked Cook into his home and butchered him. According to a police affidavit report, the Associated Press, by the Associated Press, authorities found the remains of Cook in a trash bag and in a cooler, which also had a receipt with Solis' name on it. And this was a horrific crime of passion, Noko told reporters. This was demonic. What he did was demonic. This is true. It is very literally demonic. This is right out of the textbook of the uh, Aztec and demonic cults in uh, South America, which MS-13 comes out of. Cook reportedly told his wife via text message that he had one delivery left to complete before returning to the residence. After the victim's wife didn't hear from her husband, 
Anoka said she contacted the police and filed a missing person report later that evening. He was just a guy like everyone else just trying to make a living in his family. Authorities were able to track down Cook's final delivery location through Uber Eats. Noko said police searched around Sosa's house the day after Cook disappeared and attempted to make contact with the occupant. Police returned to the residence on April 21st where they could view surveillance footage given by a roommate of Solis, which showed Cook making the food delivery until the camera cut off when he arrived at the door. Video footage later showed two men carrying heavy trash bags outside. The other man allegedly accompanying Solis was not charged by the police. The jail records observed the Associated Press reported that Solis faced charges of murder while engaged in a robbery, failure to register as a convicted felon, and for parole violation. Now, the story goes on and, and goes further than this. This is a very, very concerning story, especially when we see that this person, this MS-13 gang member, should never have been out to begin with. He was out on parole after robbery and what is it did i read attempted murder or murder he armed robbery and he does this and he's let go he's let the he's freed into the public yes this is a very very concerning story that we see not uncommon it seems like these things are happening all the time where convicted felons are let out and they are horrible. These people are horrible and they're engaging in the same actions in the public. Now it says here that the Solis faces charges of murder while engaged in a robbery. There you go. That's what it was. And then failure to register as a convicted felon and for a parole violation. So the guy has a, has a track record. And also, I'd be curious to know, is this man a U.S. citizen? I'm curious because he's an MS-13 member. Many MS-13 members come from South America. And, uh, most come through Mexico, but not, most of them are actually not from Mexico. What, what city are there? Is this being reported out of? This is Florida. Florida, this my is, goodness. And this is a big deal. We have to. Well, OK, well, here's the thing. We're seeing this happen, and this happens in a in a, in Florida, where it seems to be a more conservative area. And meanwhile, what else do we see? Utah senator's home is vandalized after sponsoring a law banning transgender mutilation of children. They spray painted on their wall fascist. These let me see if I can read this correctly. These trash or these tranny bash. Ba- these trannies ba- bash back is what it says. These trannies bash back. This is very concerning. This vandalism happens where they attack this person's home. This is something that we haven't really seen before. It's been happening every once in a while, but it seems like we're seeing a rise in senators and judges and people in office being attacked in their homes. You remember whenever the a lot of these, the, the Supreme Court case was coming up about Dobbs v. Jackson, and the protesters were at the houses of the Supreme Court. This is a very, very concerning story. The good news is the senator came up and he said, to those who seek to use violence, vandalism, and intimidation 
to deter me from standing up for what is right, let me be clear, you will not succeed. I will not be deterred by your cowardly actions. The recent vandalism to my family's home was not just an attack on me, but on the very principles our state stands for. That's a good message coming out from Senator Michael Kennedy. This is a very, very concerning story, and it's something that I think we're going to see more of as time goes on. In fact, it would be interesting to do a a whole day where we just list a bunch of these stories because this is very concerning. We've seen this happen over and over again, and a lot of these attacks, so the first one here is an attack from someone involved with MS-13, a violent gang, very well known to just attack people indiscriminately, to butcher people, these people who are just, they're just monsters. They're, they're evil people, and they're rightly were called demonic because their actions are very demonic. There's no other term that could be used for this, and that's the through line, right? Demonic, because what else do we see? The people who are defending the mutilation of children, these people are also the same people who are attacking people, murdering people, shooting people up, vandalizing people's homes, and these people are demonic. Why? Because they follow the prince of lies. They follow him who hates humanity, that desires the death of people, and desires that you and I suffer. They're happy to see us suffer here on earth, but they would much more like us to suffer in eternal damnation. What's one way that they can help suffer eternal damnation is by turning mothers into murderers by killing their kids, but also by helping having the culture endorse the mutilation of children. Now, this is another thing that happens. God is the God of reality. He is the author of reality. He created us. He created the heavens and the earth. He created the creeping things that crawl upon the earth. He created the fruit from the ground. He created all the things that we see, the birds in the air, the fish in the sea. He created you and I. And what does the devil desire? The devil desires two things. One, to destroy what God has created. And two, to ape what God has created to pervert what God has created, to distort what God has created. How does he do this? Well, one way is by the butchering of humans through MF-13. Another way is by the butchering of humans by the transgender movement. Both of these butcher the human form, butcher the Imago Dei, butcher reality. Now, when we come back, have a idea of a solution to at least some of this not everything but some of this that might be something that we've talked about before but i think it's something worth bringing up again so we'll be right back with more after this Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. What does it take to constitute an actual church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a gathering of Christians is not automatically a church. Although Matthew 18 says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst. That is not a text to be interpreted as a premise for a church. That's a requirement to legitimize an accusation. Secondly, Catholic teaching. Christ established and sustains the church as both a mystical community and a visible organization with hierarchy and jurisdiction. 
jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. Eventually, you have to decide what one item is absolutely essential for our Lord to say, that's my church. So is it a church if there's simply a common belief in the Bible or perhaps just a doctrinal agreement? Is it compliance to the Apostles' Creed? Could it be the stamp of approval from a denomination? Maybe an ordained pastor makes it officially a church. So, you know that place you've been attending every Sunday morning at 10 a.m.? Maybe it's not even a church. Maybe it's just a good, healthy hangout. Ooh. Hey, Donnie, who was the first pope to whom Jesus said, you are the rock upon which I will build my church? St. Peter. And who is the current pope? Pope Francis. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. It's always good to be here. Remember, no matter what happens, Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Now, in the last segment, we were talking about these horrific things that were happening. MS-13 member butchers... A human being, some guy just trying to deliver Uber, he kidnaps him and butchers him. It's seemingly for no reason. And it probably was for no reason. That's kind of the MO with the MS-13 guys is they just kill indiscriminately. And the thing about that is that at the end of the day, what there's one thing that he, that could have, I'm not saying it would have certainly, but could have protected him. And that would have been if he was carrying a firearm. And I think that this is something that's important because I had many people who are upset with me for saying that we as Catholics should purchase firearms because we need to protect ourselves because these things happen. We live in a crazy world. Even if it's not an attack from the someone coming after us because we're Catholic, it could just be crazy MS-13 members attacking us for no reason whatsoever. But also we see people attacking people's homes for having right belief. The senator whose house was attacked, what if they were home? What if they were home when this happened? Would they have the means to protect themselves and their family? These things happen. And what's the cause? The cause is because you said the truth. Now, this comes right on the heels of something that I saw on Facebook from Father Donald Calloway. Father Donald Calloway posted this on Facebook, said, Sad, dude named Mark Shea, who used to do good stuff, is apparently enlisting an army of followers to send emails to my superiors to get me in trouble for my support and promotion of gun ownership. Good luck, buddy. One email even said it was bad behavior for a vocation director. Couldn't be more wrong. Need more men and testosterone in the priesthood. You're in my prayers, guys. Epic fail. And the Dominican friar, or not Dominican, the Benedictine friar uh, commented on the on the post, says preach. Uh, one priest on there uh, made the comment. He said, I recommend the same reply. When my brother priest, now deceased, rest in peace, used to effectively end a friendly but animated discussion on gun laws at the dinner table. During our Dawson priest retreat, he said, I believe in two aspects of gun control. 
a sharp eye and a steady hand. And I'm like, that's good. That's a good line. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good nice. line. So the thing, though, is for some reason, the idea that gun control, that owning guns is bad, is just not, it's just not a Catholic belief. And like Father Calloway says, it couldn't be more wrong. We need more testosterone in men. And one of the things is an ability to protect yourself. And a lot of times in our modern world, the only way to protect ourselves is with a firearm. And so I, I think Father Calloway is 100% correct here. And it's interesting because Tito actually brought this up yesterday after the show. And it was kind of funny because uh, he mentioned uh, Mark Shea here. And I honestly don't know who Mark Shea is. I was, uh, <laughs> and I, I had told Tito yesterday that I read some of his books, but I looked it up and it turns out I haven't. So I actually have not read any of his books. I thought I had. But I actually don't know who he is. I was like, how do I know this name? But apparently he was like famous in Catholic Answer or something. Yes, yes. Uh, and Adrian is not uh, being disrespectful. He He's 25 years old. And Mark Shea, and he's only started entering the, the, the Catholic sphere, I guess, in high school, which would have been 10 years ago. And Mark Shea has been out of the mainstream Catholic uh, journals and newspapers since uh, at least 12 years ago plus. And so, yeah, um, Adrian's unfamiliar with him, and that's probably because he's not in the same circles. I, I on the other hand, uh, being twice his quarter of a century age, uh, is uh, <laughs> I'm quite familiar, and Mark was. Uh, he was very good uh, back then before his con uh, reversion to pagan uh, to uh, liberal Catholicism. And so uh, what he's doing to Father Donald Calloway is, is what he's done to many others around there. And uh, I, I talked to him from time to time. It's been a, a few years now, but uh, he's an amicable guy once you don't talk about uh, hot topics. But but when it comes to that, uh, he's easy to talk to. But online, he he just does not have control of his stream of consciousness, and it, it reveals itself in in his diatribes. So please pray for Mark uh, because he he's he outside of all this, and outside of his denigration of Father Donald Calloway. He knows his stuff. I just it is just baffling why he's been on a on on this trend for at least fifteen years plus. And so uh for him to go out and and publicly asking people to contact his superior because of an issue that has nothing to do uh as far as uh conflicting with, with the magisterial teachings of the church is, is just bizarre. Bizarre. So the thing that's interesting to me about this is that this happens, right? Yep. And this actually works a lot of times. A lot of times people will come out and they will contact the local, your, the superior of priests who are doing good things. I know personally a priest, and I, I will try to be as vague as possible to not get this any of these priests in trouble. I know it's a priest who put on a liturgical conference where they were promoting the traditional Latin mass. And immediately they had calls from other diocesan priests in their diocese who started contacting the liturgical office and saying, Hey, I'm just wanted to let y'all know. I mean, this, this priest over here, 
he's having this conference and, you know, he's not a liturgical expert. I don't think he should be allowed to be talking about these topics. Uh, perhaps they should recommend having this person and this person and this person list other people who are, quote unquote, liturgical experts come and speak instead and attempted to get it shut down. Now, I won't talk about the details of what happened and stuff like that just because it would uh, end up revealing too much information. But this happens all the time. This happens all the time where these things happen and they contact the superiors. They do these things and get good priests shut down. They get good things that are happening shut down. They get good ministries that are happening shut down. All they got to do is make a few phone calls to their superiors. You to make a few phone calls to the right people and they get these things stopped. Now, that brings me a, a really interesting question. Why do we not do this? Why don't we contact the superiors of these bad priests, of these bad religious? Because there are many priests out there who are promoting wicked things and doing bad things. But have you ever contacted their superior? Have you ever contacted their bishop and said, hey, this pastor is doing X, Y, or Z, very inappropriate. Now, we have to be different from these mobs who come after people uh, for a number of ways. There, here's a few ways in which we have to be different. One, we have to be right and true. That means that we cannot lie about these people. We just tell the truth. These people are doing X, Y, or Z. This is, goes against church teaching. This is how it goes against church teaching. Here's evidence that they did it. And this is what I would desire a response be from a superior or a bishop. A very clear, a very straightforward email, phone call, letting people know what's going on. But it's different. People are like, oh, but we don't want to participate in cancel culture and things like that. It's different because what we're doing is right and what they're doing is wrong. It's really as simple as that. Now, some people will say, well, what's right to you is right to you. What's wrong to them is wrong to you. Everything's kind of subjective, right? If they think it's right, you think it's wrong. But this is wrong. This is not a Catholic position. Because the Catholic position is that we have an objective truth. We can tell the difference between right and wrong. We have our use of reason, and we can discern the difference between what is right and what is wrong. And so we apply that reason. We apply our prudence, our wisdom, our temperance, our intelligence, and we discern what the truth of the matter is, and then we apply it. And so that's why our emails can't just be, I'm very angry this priest did X, Y, or Z. Please stop them. No, we have to be calm, cool, collected. We have to have calm, courage, and confidence. And just let the superiors know, hey, Father so-and-so, he said in the sermon the other day that Christ uh, did not do miracles. I just wanted to let you know, Your Excellency, the, this happened, and it happened on this day. I have evidence. Uh, many people heard, this, heard him say it, and this is why it goes against church teaching. The St. Thomas Aquinas said X. St. Robert Bellarmine said Y. Uh, all these different saints have agreed that Christ did, in fact, do miracles, and it's a condemned position of the church that Christ did not do miracles. Therefore, uh, Your Excellency, I would be appreciative if you would correct this priest uh, or else uh, remove him from active ministry. Uh, thank you, Your Excellency. We're praying for you and for the diocese and for Father. 
Uh, very simple, very kind, very straightforward, not and, mincing words. Yes, and be respectful. Don't be like the dissident Catholics or the liberal Catholics. Be respectful, kind, don't use profane words, and, and, and uh, be professional about it. At, uh, at, so, because we do not want to succumb to the devil. The devil wants us to get dirty and nasty and be brutal and profane. No, we don't want to do that. Yeah, and, and that's, the, that's a lot of the problem is that out of fear of being like that, we do nothing. And so the answer isn't do nothing. The answer is be prudent. The answer is we have to act, but we can't act just haphazardly. We have to act with wisdom. And so we apply our prudence and we make an action. This goes with courage. Uh, fortitude and prudence must go together. It's an erroneous idea that we can have prudence and just do nothing. That's not prudence. That's called cowardice. And the other defect is having uh, courage but no prudence. So then you're, you're just running into things haphazardly and running into a fire without a bunker gear. That's uh, a, a foolhardy thing to do. It's going to end up getting you killed and the person you're trying to save killed. So we have to have both prudence and courage. When you have both, you, that shows the fireman who's wearing the bunker gear, has the training, and enters the fire anyway. So you can't just be prudent and say, oh, I'm not going to go in that fire because fire is dangerous. But you also can't just have courage and say, I don't worry about no fire. I'm going to run in. You have to have both. <laughs> be prepared. Be ready. But do not be afraid. God will be with you. And pray for the gift of prudence and of wisdom and of courage to take action. And that's going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. When we come back, eight activities of the Renaissance woman. Have you heard of this? It's very interesting. Great things to work on in our lives and promote in our daughters. Now this, when we come back after this short break. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time. Gradually quit going. It's not as scary as I thought it was. It's a much more warm and open place. And God really is about love. It's not about the rules and the things that I remember as a young child. It really is about the love that God has for each one of us that's so um, deep and wonderful. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. When you walk into your non-denominational church or your megachurch, what do you see? What stands out to you? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, observations in a Catholic church. You will notice at least eight items, all of which have religious, historical, or biblical significance. Secondly, what are those items? As soon as you walk in, the can't miss baptismal font, a stone altar, stained glass windows, 14 stations of Christ's passion, statues, a gold tabernacle, a lit candle near the tabernacle, and a large crucifix. And thirdly, my take. So, what seems to fill your church and truly move you toward Jesus? Oh, I know you don't need a physical or superfluous objects to move you toward Jesus. He's everywhere and in your heart. And that is true. But tell that to Moses, David, and Solomon, who were under strict and exact directions from God on how to build his house and then fill it with his Shekinah glory. I mean, does a comfy chair, does a flashy Fender guitar, does a well-fashioned stage move you toward contemplation and holiness? Remember, stages are for entertainment, but sanctuaries are for worship. It was somewhat of an accident, and I have a lot of windshield time driving for work, and usually I'm listening to my gospel music, and so I wanted to find something else different, and so I started scrolling. I found Guadalupe Radio. I started listening to it on a regular basis, and what I realized, had I found this station years ago, 
my conversion would have probably happened years ago. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Faith, hope, charity. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Nicholas Prodell from the Catholic University of America. You're listening to AM 1430, KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. I hope you're having a blessed Easter tide. It is a good day to be here. You know, I just uh, wanted to give a shout out to my buddy Andrew. It's his birthday today. Happy birthday to you, Andrew. He's probably not listening. I don't think he listens to, uh, to my show. But he's a good friend of mine, so if you would... Say a prayer for him today. Happy birthday. We'll offer a rosary for you today, my friend. But, yeah. You know, there was an interesting article that came out, published by Crisis Magazine. I highly recommend checking out Crisis Magazine if you don't already. They have some great articles. And they had an article a couple weeks ago that we read. It was on the activities of a Renaissance man by Julian Kwasniewski. And this is the second part of that article, which is the eight activities of the Renaissance woman. I said I was going to bring that to you whenever the second part came out. And so this is the second part. Very, very interesting. It comes off of uh, Hilar Belloc's ideas here. It's very interesting to see because Hilar Belloc lived in a time period when we kind of perceive things to be better. I believe it is he died in the 1950s, if I'm not mistaken. So he never saw the, the modern era, and or I guess you could say that it's the modern era, but he didn't see the modern era. It's kind of funny because we kind of categorize time periods in certain ways, but the modern era changes so rapidly that it kind of needs to be broken into like 50 years or less because the internet revolution, the technology revolution, the iPhone revolution, all these things happen, and the culture just drastically changes like every 20 years it feels it so, does. The story goes, the eight activities listed in my previous article were by no means exhaustive, nor did they claim to be the defining characteristics of masculinity. Similarly, the following reflections are a companion list are not to meant to be exhaustive or defining of what a woman is or what femininity is or what it means to be a good woman. Yeah, you always have to put that caveat because you're going to have tons of people being like, that's not true. I have X, Y, it's like, it's, it's a list, guys. Don't, don't. <laughs> it's not going to be, it's not the end of the world. It's okay. You're yeah, hot and bothered. I know people, people get upset about these kind of things, but it's yeah, okay. Yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or Well, not. there you go. Uh, but like that, the, for the Renaissance men, the list simply presents good activities, which women have always done, which seems closely tied to being a fulfilled and feminine woman. They are not meant to suffocate the valiant woman of the world, but empower them. Because this, I have specifically refrained from listing vague, amorphous things like nurturing as a feminine activity. The list is supposed to present particulars, not transcendental characteristics, of the all-too-often undefined feminine genius. As I did not try to define fatherhood along with, the pro with providing for or protecting a family as an essential male task, I have not incorporated motherhood in this list. Of course, this does not mean that fatherhood and motherhood are not essential characteristics of men and women. This is obvious in a, in a way too fundamental. 
surveying Western Europe's traditional roles of the sexes, then I decided upon the eight following activities, four of which are in common with Belloc's list and four of which are different. These activities were perhaps perfected in the high Middle Ages and the Renaissance. Although some of them can obviously be found in Homer and other pre-Christian sources, this is our list. One, textile arts. Two, beautifying contained spaces. Three, beautifying themselves. Four, cooking. Five, dancing. Six, singing. Seven, handcrafts. Eight, hearing mass. You notice that one is common with the men. Now, he goes on, he says, claiming that some sort of textile arts is a proper and excellent woman activity is often interpreted as a chauvinistic manner, yet it need not be. To say that knitting, crochet, weaving, dyeing cloth, darning, or embroidery is a feminine activity is, first of all, to state a simple historical fact. Literature has portrayed this quintessential feminine activity across all ages from the valiant woman of Proverbs who puts her hand to the distaff and her hands hold the, spin, the spindle, spindle to the goddess Calypso in the Odyssey, lifting her breathtaking voice as she gilded back and forth before her loom, her golden shutter weaving, to Louisa, Louisa May Alscott's sacred description of Meg March and Little Women, who, quote, sat upon her cushion, sewing daintily with her white hands and looking as fresh and sweet as a rose, and her pink dress among the green. Now, he gives a couple other examples of this happening throughout history. And he goes on and says, There are many more facets to this art than the creation of the beautiful, however. The creation and mending of clothing are harmonious and fitting, pun intended, accompaniment to the other caring tasks which have always occupied mothers. Who knows the size and needs of the child better than the mother? And who should judge what will look best on her husband than the wife? And who can say better than the stay-at-home mom who curtain, what curtains or tablecloth or quilt will be most pleasing? Creation of the home and its furnishings can express faithfulness, commitment, and sacrificial love. Penelope's weaving and unraveling her weaving, putting off the suitors while waiting for the return of Odysseus, is an act of faithfulness that comes to mind in regards to the textile art. Turning to the second, as we just saw, the textile arts are closely tied to the role of beautifying domestic spaces, which is preeminently pre the task of the lady of the home. The curmudgeonly G.K. Chesterton quips, Women have a thirst for order and beauty. As for something physical, there is a strange female power of hating ugliness and waste, as good men can only hate sin and bad men virtue. It's very interesting because... I kind of think about how it tends to be the case. I say tends to be the case because people are going to be like, that's not true. I'm not like that. But it tends to be the case that we have because it's a stereotype. You look at movies, TV shows, books. The young boy has a disheveled room that has trash everywhere, toys all over the floor, all these different things. And then you have the young lady who's everything's put away. Everything is nice and dainty, clean and proper. And they get upset when their brother comes in and messes up their room. This is a accurate description of what it is, uh, what the situation is. Women like things orderly, and so to beautify a home and order it is actually a good. Now, the third point of my list has its origins in Eden Devin Schatz and his biblical and spiritual meditation, The Meaning and Mystery of Man. 
he writes that women have an innate longing for man to rejoice in her beauty in the manner that Adam rejoiced in Eve. The need for her man to see her is a foundational motivating factor for much of her decisions. A woman longs to be affirmed by man, particularly for her beauty. This is a fact which is confirmed by our subjective experience, Schatz says. This reality needs to be understood, embraced, and loved. Otherwise, it would lead to the extremes of vanity and promiscuity or denial of feminine beauty as unique. Anna Kalinowski has written powerfully in defense of cultivating feminine beauty as spiritually healthy, ontologically defensible, and even necessary. Now, I don't know how anybody could deny this. People might be offended by this, but I don't know how you can deny it whenever we see a rise in OnlyFans, people selling their bodies, images of their bodies on camera. And many of them are not doing any sexual acts explicitly, but they are trying to sell their bodies, images of their bodies, to people to the highest bidder. It's very clear that this situation, it's why women love makeup. It's why all these different things happen is because they want to have and to show their ontological beauty. They want their physical beauty to reflect the ontological beauty. And I think that's important to note. Now, another one here is cooking is another one of those things, which is not essentially feminine, but often approaches it. G.K. Chesterton writes in his essay, Woman, writes of the way in which cooking contributes to the creative authority of women. I should favor anything that would increase the present enormous authority of women and their creative action in their own homes. So far from wishing her to get her cooked meals from outside, I should like her to cook more wildly and at her own will than she does. So far from getting away always the same meals from the same place, let her invent, if she likes, a new dish every day of her life. Let woman be more of a maker, not less. Now notice, so people will say uh, women in the workforce is where women are free. Yet in the workforce, you want women in the widget factory just uh, piling away, just turning knobs. Where in the home, they can be truly creative. A, mar a married woman can make a home, a house a home. She is creative in, in the manner of which she can cook in which she can decorate, in which she can make, in which she can raise the kids. There's a lot of creativity and a lot of importance to the actions. In fact, there's a saying, he, she who controls the, the cradle controls the world because the mothers control the future generation and the rearing and raising of children. If we say, well, mom's going to go to work and we're going to have the government rock the cradle, well, then that's who controls the world. It's a very clear and, uh, situation that we see here. Now, the last four, dancing, singing, handcrafts, and hearing mass are all activities shared with the Renaissance man, but with important differences. Since we have already spoken here and elsewhere the benefits of handcrafts, we will only note in passing that woman in the home is in a unique position to cultivate crafts and hobbies many men wish that they were free to pursue. This liberty, in, effect, in fact, affects all of these activities. Since women may be freer to research and practice these beautiful human activities, in my experience, women are more often interested in dancing than men. Women need to realize that they should encourage men to learn to dance and be willing to help teach them. Learning to call folk dances or mentor other sorts of dancing is a wonderful expression of leadership. As mentioned in the prequel to this piece, the most fun and least promiscuous dancing is traditional folk dancing. 
This ought to be organized communally. It is simple enough that men, women, and children without any previous dancing experience can learn it. At the same time, it is complex enough that when a group be, becomes coordinated and smooth, they have the satisfaction of having achieved something worthwhile. Now, notice here they mention folk dancing and not the this modern club dancing we see, which is utterly degenerate and should be rejected entirely. This is the not the kind of dancing that we would like to encourage in women or men. This is a very disordered. And so folk dancing is very wholesome. It's very good. And I think it's a good summary of why it is good. And it's fun. And it is fun. It is fun. And unlike men, hearing mass for women ought not to involve being able to serve at the altar. Singing, however, is an opportunity for women to contribute during the liturgy. Obviously, there are a multitude of sacristan-type things that women can assist with. But that is by no means a central focus here. In regards to activities already touched on, women have historically had a very large role in contributing to liturgical worship via the making of vestments and hangings. Hearing Mass should mean, as it did for Belloc and his wife, Eloida? I guess French name? I don't know. Uh, Hearing the traditional Mass, that is, the liturgy which contains all our race needs to do and has done for all these ages where religion has concerned. At the end of the day, these skills are not meant to shackle or inhibit the valiant women of the world. Their identification and practices are meant to help us be happy and decent and secure of our souls by embracing what is buried right into our blood. Now, the Mass of the Ages is not only for men, but also of women, great and small. It was the Mass of Hildegard of Bingen, Catherine of Siena, Therese of Lisieux, and Gianna Mola. Now here, listen to Belloc, whatever is buried right into our blood from immemorial habit that we must be certain to do if we are to be fairly happy. Of course, no grown man or woman can really be very happy for long, but I mean reasonably happy. And what is more important, decent and secure of our souls. Now the last thing that I'd like to note is that, yes, many people may be upset about this, but I think that this is very clear and it is not meant to be an attack against women. Instead, it is very much what is said here. This is not an attack against women. It is something to try to inculcate femininity. It is to try to explicitate what John Paul II said, the feminine genius, but never defined. So this is something that cultivates feminine activity. The same way we talked about what cultivates masculine identity. Something that we should not fear and run away of and be mad at. Instead, something to look into and to think about some more. Now, that brings us into our game show, Fear and Trembling, and you could be the contestant. All you have to do is dial 877-757-9424-877-757-9424-877-757-9424. Call now. We take the first caller, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back with Fear and Trembling after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to meditate on Christ's passion. Wouldn't it be great if everyone meditated daily on our Lord's passion? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. If Jesus brought two of the greatest Old Testament saints to meet with three of the greatest New Testament saints at the Mount of Transfiguration, can you say with any assurance that they were not alive, aware, and able to communicate? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Luke 9 says, quote, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Did you catch that? They were talking with Jesus. That means they have cognitive capability. Secondly, heavenly friends. Those in heaven long for your prayer requests. Their intercession far exceeds your best friend's prayers here on earth. Sorry to say that. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. Well, Oral Roberts University has the prayer tower. TBN has a prayer department. Your home church probably has a prayer hotline. Well, guess what? Heaven has an on-demand, pure, unselfish prayer warriors known as the great cloud of witnesses. They're waiting on you. Hey, Donnie, what two important things do we receive when we go to Mass? Scripture and the Eucharist. Great job. You're so smart. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. Eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could win. You may be asking, what am I listening to? I just tuned in and I have no idea what's going on. Well, this is the Fear and Trembling game show where we have three Catholic trivia questions. And the trick is, I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, I'm going to ask Tito the questions. I'm going to ask him three Catholic trivia questions. He's going to give me an answer for each one. It's going to be your job to tell me whether or not he's right and whether or not he's wrong. That means there is a 50-50 chance, even if you know nothing about the questions, there's a 50-50 chance of you getting each question correct. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tito, what could they win? They could win. The Fear and Trembling Prize for this week is a Catholic Answers book by Dave Armstrong on popular works that vindicate the Bible through archaeology and science. The book is called Word Set in Stone. Available now through shop.catholic.com or at a Catholic bookstore near you. Thank you to Catholic Answers for that generous sponsorship for the game show this week. We very much appreciate it, Catholic Answers. Dot com. Uh, Catholic, actually, Catholic.com. Catholic.com is, what a great URL. Like, I don't know how on earth he was able to get Catholic.com as URL, but uh, congratulations. I heard, I heard the story early in the, in the dawn of the Internet. He was one of the first Catholic apostolates doing the first Catholic apostolate led by a layperson to do uh, apologetics. And when he saw the Internet in 95 or 97, he said, I'm going to go get my own URL. Let's see if Catholic Answers is available. Sure enough. And then he realized, wait a minute, is Catholic.com available? And sure enough, bingo. 
Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, joining us right now is Sienna and Genevieve. Good morning to you, Sienna and Genevieve. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to hear y'all's voices. It's I haven't seen y'all in, whew, it's been, what, two years now since I've seen y'all? I haven't been in, back in Houston in a while. Is our good friends from Uvalde, Texas. Good morning. Are y'all uh, heading to school this morning? Yes. Good, good. Is, uh, is dad in the car or is it grandma? Uh, grandma. It's Grandma. Hi, Grandma. Good morning. Hi. There you go. Good Praise morning. be to God. Y'all, y'all have to come back to uh, to Houston sometime and come visit the studio. Or I got to come to San Antonio and come visit y'all. But it's good. It's good to hear y'all's voice. Now, what are y'all up to uh, for this this upcoming weekend? Did y'all have a good Easter? Yes. Did y'all have Did y'all have a a what is that? A uh, Easter egg fight where y'all crack eggs over each other's heads? Did y'all do that? No, no, we didn't do the casserole. No, I didn't do that. Yeah, we, my family, we're too old for it, but yet, my, we still try to do it. I'm trying to hide away. I'm like, I don't want to get all that stuff in my hair, but uh, nonetheless, <laughs> it's so happens. fun. Uh, it still happens. Did y'all eat anything good for Easter? Did y'all get uh, some lamb, lamb chops? No. 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 What y'all eat? Lasagna. Lasagna. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Praise be to God. Lasagna. Now, Sienna and Genevieve, uh, how, what grade are y'all in now? Fifth. So, Sienna, you're in fifth. And Genevieve, what grade are you in? First. 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 Praise be to God. Y'all are growing up fast. I mean, y'all are practically ready to jump into, uh, into the workforce, uh, though maybe not. Though maybe not. All righty, Sienna and Genevieve. Y'all are veterans of the show, so y'all know how the game works. But y'all never have called in with Tito before, so maybe this will be tricky, so y'all have to keep your ears open and be able to discern whether or not Tito was trying to trick you. Are y'all ready to play the game, Sienna and Genevieve? Yes. Well, there we go. Let's do it. Let's jump in. Tito, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. Let's jump in. The question number one. What Protestant religious group is Uh. named after Minnow Simmons. Minnow Simmons? Minnow Simmons. Menno? Oh, goodness gracious. I don't know who Menno Simmons is, but I can take a wild guess. Okay. And say it's the Mennonites. The Mennonites, you say? Yes. Wow, okay. Okay, you're saying the Mennonites. The Mennonites. The Mennonites. Menno Simmons, yes. Minnow Simmons. Menno Simmons. Very interesting name. Very interesting name. All righty, Sienna and Genevieve. This is a very difficult question, but I think y'all could be able to get it correct, if you know what I mean. The question on the board is, what Protestant religious group is named after Minnow Simmons? 15 seconds on the clock. What say you, Sienna and Genevieve? Tito seems to think they're the Mennonites named after Minnow 15 seconds on the clock, Sienna Genevieve. Is he right? Is he wrong? Or is he trying to trick you? What say you, Sienna and Genevieve? He's right. He's right, she says. Nailed it. Praise be to God. See, she didn't even hesitate. She did not even. She knew the answer. She was like, yeah, he's right. No hesitation. I knew that. Didn't even need to guess. Wow. Very good, Sienna. You've uh, been paying attention to your religion class, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Praise be to God. Hold All back that enthusiasm. Right. The, yes, you got you to gotta tone it down there, Sienna. It's a little too exciting, uh, too excited over there. 
But are you ready for question number two? Yes. Then let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> question numero dos. Dos. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a German for two. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, they use a Chinese calligraphy. Okay. Chinese calligraphy. Yeah. yeah. In Germany. In Germany. It's well known. Well known. Um, I should have said Dutch, you know, because Minnow is from Dutch. Dutch. It's from Deutschland. Deutschland. Alrighty. Question number two. What <laughs> is a mixed marriage? Now, if you've listened to the show before, we have discussed this topic, so here's a hint for you. We've discussed this topic before. So the question on the board is, what is a mixed marriage, Tito? What mixed say you? marriage? Oh, that's when uh, when the girl is a Republican and the boy is, is a Democrat. That's what a mixed marriage is. Oh, I see. I see. So it's when the left and the right get married. Yes. I see. All right. Dogs and cats living together. Dogs and cats living together. Okay. Okay. All righty, Sienna and Genevieve. 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, what is a mixed marriage? Tito seems to think is that when a leftist marries a person on the right, it's called a mixed marriage. Or when a Republican woman and a Democrat man get married. It's a mixed marriage. 15 seconds of the clock. Is he right? Is he wrong? What say you, Sienna and Genevieve? Wrong. 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 She got two wrongs. Way to go. Praise be to God. Way to go, Genevieve. I heard you there. You you also got it correct. Double. Way to go. You got yeah, confidence. It's a double trouble over here, but it's very good. So a mixed marriage is, according to the church, a mixed marriage is between a Catholic and and a person of a different religious group, whether it be a Protestant or a pagan or a Jew or a Muslim. So if a Catholic marries someone outside of the Catholic faith, that's considered a mixed marriage. Mixed a lot. And it is uh, not allowed in the church. If you want to get a mixed marriage, you have to get, a perm- get permission from your pastor. Or if the person's non-Catholic or non-Christian, you have to get permission from the bishop. So that's uh, the rule there. I don't know how much that's enforced, to be honest. But that is the rule. So that is what a mixed marriage, in fact, is. All righty. Sienna Genevieve, I didn't need to tell you all that. Y'all knew that already, I'm sure. But what, what say y'all? Y'all ready for the last question? Yeah. All right. Well, this question, I'm looking over. And I think y'all are going to get a three for three. Y'all are doing so well so so far. I'm very proud of y'all. Um, y'all, we're going to jump into question numero trace the question on the board is what is the common liturgical symbol symbolic rather what is the common liturgical symbolic action which represents both purification and worship that's a tricky question action is the key word in that sentence my liturgy nerd nodes are telling me insensation. Insensation. So that's yes. like when you use the incense? Yes. And you like get the thurible and you swing it, it over. Swing okay. it. You twirl it over your head. I you do see. a windmill on it. Make oh sure you're clear of all the other Whoa. acolytes. Oh, you go to town. Okay, well, I may not endorse that particular action, though. I've seen a lot of people do that. A but lot. I've also seen the chain break. Not, I have not and, seen that yet. Really? I will never do a 360 with Durable because I've seen it fly off, and I'm like, I'm never going to do that. But Sienna and Genevieve, 
15 seconds on the clock. What is the common liturgical symbolic action which represents both purification and worship? Tito seems to think that it's insensation. Sienna and Genevieve, what say you? Yes. That sounded very confident. They're going to go with yes. Way to go, Sienna and Genevieve. You, with just 15 seconds on the clock, you nailed it. You're, you... Confidence. Confidence is key. I knew it. You're going to get it. Remember, calm, courage, and confidence in Our Lady, and you will be successful. I know it's calm, courage, and confidence in Our Lady. But yes, in sensation, the incense, because it is hot steam, it in fact it symbolizes purification because it actually would purify the nasty smells in the church whenever people didn't bathe as much. And it symbolizes worship, the prayers rising up to God. The smoke rises up as the prayers rise up to God. So in sensation, very good. Y'all nailed it. Congratulations, Genevieve and Sienna. Y'all rock. God bless y'all. Thank you. Good job, guys. Well, stay on the line. We're going to get Grandma's phone number and contact information. So that way, if we y'all we pull y'all's name from the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence on Friday, we can send y'all the prize. But God love y'all. We'll be praying for the entire Burrier family. We love the Burrier family. So God bless y'all and have a blessed day at school today. And that's going to do it for today. Praise be to God. We're going to jump into our after show, YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, Facebook. You can join us there, and we'd love to talk to you there. If not, we'll see you back here 6 a.m. Central tomorrow morning with more Catholic Drive Time. But we'd love to see you there. But remember, Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi. Today we celebrate Wednesday of the third week of Easter. We offer this Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for all of our online viewers and all those listening to our Guadalupe Radio Network. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Ye sons and daughters of the Lord, the King of glory, King adored, this day himself from death restored. Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. 
I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. Be present to your family, O Lord, we pray, and graciously ensure those you have endowed with the grace of faith and an eternal share in the resurrection of your only begotten Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Reading from the Acts of the Apostles. There broke out a severe persecution of the church in Jerusalem, and all were scattered throughout the countryside of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made a loud lament over him. Saul, meanwhile, was trying to destroy the church. Entering house after house and dragging out men and women, he handed them over for imprisonment. Now those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Thus Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Christ to them. With one accord, the crowds paid attention to what was said by Philip. When they heard it and saw the signs he was doing, for unclean spirits, crying out in a loud voice, came out of many possessed people, and many paralyzed and crippled people were cured. There was great joy in that city. The word of the Lord. Let all the earth cry out to God with joy. Shout joyfully to God all the earth. Sing praise to the glory of his name. Proclaim his glorious praise. Say to God, how tremendous are your deeds. Let all the earth cry out to God with joy. Let all on earth worship and sing praise to you. Sing praise to your name. Come and see the works of God, his tremendous deeds among the children of Adam. Let all the earth cry out to God with joy. He has changed the sea into dry land. Through the river they passed on foot. Therefore, let us rejoice in him. He rules by his might forever. Let the earth cry out to God with joy. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Everyone who believes in the Son has eternal life, and I shall raise him on the last day, says the Lord. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Alleluia. 
The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to the crowds, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. But I told you that although you have seen me, you do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and I will not reject anyone who comes to me, because I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of the one who sent me, that I should not lose anything of what he gave me, but that I should raise it on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I shall raise him on the last day. The Gospel of the Lord. A few hundred years ago, well, about a thousand years ago, there was this discovery in the Church of Eucharistic Adoration. St. Thomas Aquinas really was one of the great harbingers, one of the messengers, as Pope St. John Paul II called him, an impassioned Eucharistic poet who wrote Tantum Ergo O Salutaris, a whole bunch of Eucharistic hymns, because he also discovered, one of the brightest minds in the Church discovered that when Jesus was saying, whoever comes to me will never hunger, doesn't necessarily have to mean that you come to uh, Jesus solely at the sacrifice of the Mass. That Eucharistic visitation, going into any church throughout the whole world, any time you visit Jesus, you are coming to the, to the Lord. And, and any time you come to the Lord, He does something. And this is, it really should be the basis of the evangelization, the new evangelization, the basis of all ecclesial activity, all ministries, everything should go back to the Eucharist. He really is the source and summit and center of the Christian life. And so anytime you, you have anything that you're doing in the church, if you really want it to be in Christ Jesus, bring them to the Eucharist. In fact, you know, there's people who have really great ideas about retreats with different kinds of songs and talks and you know they people do all sorts of ministries will have all these great ideas like let's wash each other's feet and that that feels so I feel so good about that but the reality is if you bring people to Jesus in the Eucharist you have to get out of the way and let Jesus be Jesus any anything you're doing prison ministry homebound ministry youth ministry uh, healing marriages, whatever you're doing, bring people to Jesus and let Jesus be Jesus. Let Unleash the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And the same goes for a prayer life. If you want to have a prayer life, it's real simple. Plop yourself down in front of the King of Kings and let him be unleashed in your life. And this is the biggest battle, to drag your sack of bones in front of Jesus and let him work. It's the, the great battle of your life. And to understand that, do whatever you have to do to make yourself 
Put yourself in front of Jesus. Do whatever you have to do. Figure out whatever way you need to trick yourself to get over yourself and put yourself in front of Jesus. Because the Eucharist, once that you let the Eucharist be unleashed, everything changes. Because what you're getting is a super concentration of the resurrection. Everywhere in the world, God is present in some way. And, you know, in the Sacrosanctum Concilium, the great um, liturgical reform document of the Second Vatican Council talks about the different presences, modes of presence of Jesus in the church, and that's great, but there's one mode of presence par excellence where Jesus is in a way that he is not anywhere else. Yes, he's present in the people, he's present in the word, but in the Eucharist, he's present in person. That is, everywhere else, and this is what St. Thomas Aquinas says about the different modes of presence, Everywhere else in the world you can say, Hulk es Deus, God is here. But in, only in the Eucharist uh, can you say, this is God himself. God himself is here, and the only other place he is like that is in heaven, in, the, in risen at the right hand of the Father. Because every, everywhere in the world you can come to some kind of presence of Jesus. And Mother Teresa of Calcutta had the great insight that if that's the case, what we need is to sit in front of Jesus in the Eucharist so that we, in the most concentrated form, Eucharistic adoration, she had her sisters praying two hours a day of Eucharistic adoration so that they could recognize Jesus in the poorest of the poor. Another place where Jesus is present in mercy, in, in misery, human misery and human and divine mercy. That's how God, God is present there. But unless you place yourself in front of Jesus in the Eucharist, you won't recognize him anywhere else. You need to train your eyes, correct your heart, and let that happen. Let, let yourself become able to recognize him in your marriage, or in the world, or in your vocation, or even in the messed up situation we find ourselves in this world. Because if you focus on Jesus enough, he will reveal himself throughout the thread of history. And perhaps we're trying to look at Jesus through the eyes of everything else, through the eyes of the world, instead of looking at the world through the eyes of Christ. And the Mass and Eucharistic adoration is where you let go of all of that stuff. And you give it over, you sacrifice it to Christ, you give it over to Jesus, and then you, you let yourself be filled with him. And you climb up on the cross with him. And from that perch, you can see everything else with the mind of Christ. Lately, there's, there's a Eucharistic renewal, it's called EucharisticRevival.com, where there's a, pl a plan to have this Eucharistic revival in the church that ends with the 2024 Indianapolis Eucharistic uh, Congress, International Eucharistic Congress in uh, July, I believe it is. But go to that site, you can find out more how the plan of the USCCB, the bishops, is to re-Eucharistify the church, to remind the church that we are a Eucharistic people. And only then, when we become a Eucharistic people, will we truly become an Alleluia people, risen with Christ in God. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. 
We pray for the whole church, that renewed and Eucharistic devotion and piety, we may become apostles that God is calling us to be. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that renewed with Eucharistic vigor and devotion, they may be faithful messengers of the gospel. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for all married couples, all families, all domestic churches, that through Eucharistic devotion, they may be renewed in love for one another. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray that Catholics may have adjusted Eucharistic vision to be able to see Jesus and the poorest of the poor, to serve them with joy, with generosity. For this we pray to the Lord. And we pray for all of our beloved dead, that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. We pray to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we ask you to hear us, for make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary, as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I am the bread of life. You who come to me shall not hunger and who believe in me shall not thirst. No one can come to me unless the Father beckons, and I will raise you up, and I will raise you up, and I will raise you up, on the last day. The bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. And if you eat of this bread, you shall live forever. You shall live forever. And I will raise you up, and I will raise you up, and I will raise you up on the last day. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept Grant, we pray, O Lord, that we may always find delight in these Paschal mysteries, so that the renewal constantly at work within us may be the cause of our unending joy through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, at all times to acclaim you, O Lord, but in this time, above all, to laud you yet more gloriously, when Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. He never ceases to offer himself for us, but defends us and ever pleads our cause before you. He is the sacrificial victim, who dies no more, 
the Lamb once slain who lives forever. Therefore, overcome with paschal joy, every land, every people exults in your praise, and even the heavenly powers with the angelic hosts sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Abahot, Planis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, O Sanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, O Sanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray and with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages. We may merit to be coerced to eternal life, and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Roho him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours, forever and ever. Amen. 
Percepti salutaribus moniti, et divini institutioni formati, audimus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuo nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, secut in celo et in terra, Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et emitem nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed liberanos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. And graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. On you stay, quitolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, quitolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, quit all this peccatamundi, donna nobis pahachem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy. You should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon, the Lord has risen and has shown his light upon us, whom he has redeemed by his blood. Alleluia. For those who are unable to receive our Lord in, the Holy, in Holy Communion sacramentally, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Adoro te devo te, Latens de guitas, que si pucis figuris vede latitas. Tibi sege cor megegum totum subjicit, 
Qui ate cum templans totum deficit. Visus tactus ursus in te falitur. Sed auditus solo tuto creditur. Credo quid quid dixit Dei filius, nil hoc verbo verii, tatis verius. In cruce lategebat sola degitas, ad hic latet sigimul et humanitas. Ambo tamen credens adque confitens, peto quod petigivi latropenitens. Plaga sicut omas non intueor, degum tamen megegum, Te confiteor. Fac me tigibi semper magis credere, in te spem habegere, te diligere. Let us pray. Hear, O Lord, our prayers, that this most holy exchange by which you have redeemed us may bring your help in this present life and ensure for us eternal gladness through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in the peace of Christ. Regina Cheli, Letare, Alleluia, Quia Quemeruisti Portare, Alleluia, Resurrexi, Sicotexi, Alleluia, Ora pro nobis Deum. Alleluia. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord 
from hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating the culture of life. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Wyatt Goolsby, the new executive director.